Father, this morning we just come to you. There's only one name under the heavens given to us for salvation. Your name, Lord Jesus. There is only one voice that can cause salvation. The voice of your Holy Spirit. So today, Father, even as we have gathered in that name, I pray, Father, that you would touch our ears that we might hear your voice. Anoint us afresh this morning, Lord. Today, anoint us. Every one of us, even the children, little children who are sitting for the message, anoint them too. Because your word says it is the anointing that teaches all things. Teaches. Break those yokes in us. Let every yoke be broken until only one yoke remains. The yoke with which we are yoked to you and to you alone, O oh Father. That yoke is light. Touch, Lord, touch us. Let there be open heavens today in your house where people hear and see into the spiritual. Pray for open heavens, Lord. For we are the Israel of God. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 First text for today is keep at the back of your head, mind, what we heard Sunday, Wednesday, First Peter chapter 3 verse 18, where we have last words, oh sorry, not 3.18, Second Peter 3.18, the final words of Apostle Peter before the Holy Spirit ceases speaking through him to the eternal church. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. Everybody look at the person sitting next to you and say, grow. See, that's one good thing about the spiritual thing. All those who are feeling bad, you never grew too tall, can always grow in the spirit. Unlimited possibility. You can grow. But in grace... And in knowledge. You'll grow in grace only according to the knowledge of God. And you grow in knowledge without grace. That knowledge will be a very terrifying, depressing thing. Understand that. It can be a dangerous thing because knowledge puffs off. And even if it doesn't puff off, you know so much. But you don't have the power to achieve it. And it can can be very depressing. That's why the balance is there. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse is from Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. As this divine power, call it grace, because the problem is we hear so much grace every day in our life before we sit to eat. And we actually forget what grace is. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is that power that saved us. It is that power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the creative power of God that did everything and does everything. And God says, His divine power, that is grace, 
has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him. So you are connecting it again to what he ended up his letter. Okay, The knowledge of him and the divine power who called us by glory and virtue. So you know, grow in grace, grow in knowledge. But Lord, how do I do it? Peter explains. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. The Bible, this calculated, somebody calculated 8,952 or something. Roughly 9,000 promises in the Bible. Exceedingly great, precious promises. The promises are there. This, through the promises you get to know God. The power of God is there. And through the promises, what happens? You are partakers of the divine nature. Who are you? What is that nature? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and delivering everybody who was oppressed of the devil. That's the divine nature. Power and authority to set captives free. Divine nature. See, the problem is we are inverting the gospel after becoming saved. Before we were saved, we ran for these things. After being saved, these things follow us because we are partakers of the divine nature through the promises of God. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Two things. The promises, one thing, helps you to get out of the world and the corruption of the world, which will destroy you because the world is decaying. Honestly, if you really, really, really struggle with the world and want to escape from the world, honestly, during this time of fasting, today is our 21st day of fasting, you actually ask the Lord, open my eyes and show me the actual spiritual nature of this world which I like so much. All you would see is snakes and maggots. If God were to open your eyes, and you would suddenly realize, oh my God, I don't want to be anything ever here. I stick to your kingdom. Escape the corruption of this world that is through through lust. Okay? Remember, grace, knowledge, promises. And you need to believe. Can be, like how did we get saved? Because Jesus, God said, if you believe in the name of Jesus. That's how you get saved. You don't have to feel anything. You just went, began by believing a promise of God. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. And you suddenly put yourself in that anyone. And you were saved. Okay? Repent, believe, and you were saved. How? By faith. That is the process. That's how faith began. And you didn't even realize that. I don't know how I believed that day. God gave you a measure of faith. It was he who did it. And grace flowed into your life. And nobody had to tell you. You knew you were saved. You knew you were passed from death into life. And then the next verse for today. Romans 4.20 He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. He did not waver. Now we are moving into further promises. Promises of God. Promises of God. Abraham was given a promise. What is the promise? Looks at this. We can't even say old wife, ancient wife. No. 
He looks at his ancient wife. Barren. Year after year after yet he has a promise. The promise is it is through her the seed will come. Through her the seed will come. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. So this is something which you also have to ask. If God has promised you something and it's been a while ago and nothing seems to be happening, don't waver. Because if it was God who spoke to you, he will bring it to pass. Don't stagger, waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but be strengthened in faith. And God will bring it to pass. Because God speaks to us. That's why I said we have a God who actually speaks. But the issue is this. Unless we see grace as the power of God, the very power of the Holy Spirit, that bridges the possible with the impossible. Unless we see that. Grace is what makes everything possible. But the bridge... Or the channel through which grace flows in is called faith. That is our part. Why do we come to the hearing of the word of God? Because faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. There is this possible part and there is that impossible part. You cannot ask God to do what is possible for you. God usually will not do that. Not do that. He will ask you to do what is possible. And sometimes it may involve a lot of strain. Hard work. Like he told in his first miracle at Kana, he told them, fill the six jars. I mean, he could have said, be filled. Jars would have been, but he didn't do it. He said, you fill. So they had to go over and over, wherever the well was, draw water, come and pour, go back, pour, until it was filled. So they had to do something. Lazarus was dead four days. Four days. And they were at the graveyard. They were crying. He also wept. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And those days when they rolled a rock against the tomb, it was not a small stone. It needed four, five, six people labor to block it. It was kind of chiseled to seal it. He could have said, move! The rock would have come out. But he didn't do it. He said, you move. You move. Sometimes, let me tell you why I'm saying this. Sometimes the impossible is not coming into the, your possibility is because you're not doing what is possible. You're waiting for him to move the rock too. He says, no, you move the rock. You fill the jar. And I will do what is impossible for you. Because God begins where you and I end. Where you and I end. That's where it begins. Okay. So you have to be strengthened in your faith. You have to grow in your faith. Grow. Grow. That is where the knowledge of God comes. The more you have the knowledge. Both in terms of word. And also in terms of experience. You actually get to know him. You trust him. More and more and more. On Wednesday, we, we, we looked, I think, on Wednesday, we looked. One of the most important component of a relationship is trust. Trust. A lot of people love God, but they don't trust Him. 
And there are others in the Bible who trusted him but didn't love him. You know, both are possible. You could love somebody but say, oh boy, don't trust him because he'll never come on time. But he's such a nice person, I can't help loving him. You heard this, right? You love the person, but you cannot trust it. Others will say, boy, he says something, you can be absolutely sure it will be done. He will be there at that appointed time. But Lord, I just I just don't like him at all. <laughs> He's too tough. So you can trust somebody and not love them. You can love somebody and not trust them. But that's not part of today's message. But those great, incredibly great people in the Bible were the ones who learned to trust him and to love him with all their heart. Both. Very few people in the Bible, they learned both. To love him and to trust him. Okay, so faith has its incredible trust and obedience. When our gospel began, it began, many when our salvation began, it began with an act of God, grace coming into, let's look at that, it's called in Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. What's the first thing God does? He justifies us. Believed in Jesus, repented, looked at Jesus, believed in the blood, God cleanses and says you are justified. What does it mean? You are just. You are righteous. Just as if he had never sinned. You are just. That's the first act of God. Grace comes in, saves us. When you are saved before God, we are justified. Okay, that's what it means. We have been justified. We are declared just or righteous. After that, in Romans 1 and verse 17, God demands this. He says, yeah, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just, ah, once you've been justified, you're called to a life of faith. That's our problem. That's where our struggle begins. From the day, our point, second you are saved, you're called to a life of right faith. My just shall live by faith. Now again on Sunday or Wednesday, we had looked at this life of faith has two parts. Okay? One part is what we talk about, the religion part. Jude will talk about contending for the faith which was once and for all handed over to the saints. That is the doctrinal part. This is how you are supposed to live the rules and regulations of Christian life. It is called in the new covenant the law of life. This is the law by which you live. Don't think because you are saved you are lawless. There are rules by which you live. That is one part of faith. There is another part of faith which is which, um, which is what I am focusing on. Which has got to do with the acts of faith. So last Sunday we look, looked at facts and acts. Facts and acts. The acts of faith. And that is where people miss out. Okay, There are two kinds of preaching. Remember, primarily there are two kinds of preaching. One kind of preaching you will see in all these good churches, godly pastors, what is what you call, and you need that preaching which is called contextual preaching. They will preach one from a text. But much of that preaching is connected with how you need to live. And you will go to those churches and you will see people, they are all good Godly people. 
that if you actually check into their lives, they do not have great acts of God. Acts of God. The second part of faith is where you actually hear. Actually hear. That God actually speaks. He actually speaks. Now, even when I am speaking, he still speaks. And that is what you need to be. Even you are established in doctrine of Christ, should we also be ears open to hearing from God. That is where the promises come. And even in promises, there are common promises for everybody and there will be promises that are specific to you, which because you heard. You heard. God is asking you to do something. And even when he is asking you to something, you look, how can I do that? And he gives you a promise. To back what he has told you to do. And that's the promise on which you stand. And Bible says, every promise in the Bible is, yes, and amen in Christ Jesus. Please remember this. Unlike what is written on the products that we buy from the supermarket, God's promises do not come with an expiry date. It never expires. They are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is why when God speaks, it will take incredible faith to believe and step out. Step out. Step out. It's very difficult. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to make anything easy which is not easy. But that's the way God is. That's the way he pulls out his people. Like when it comes to the widow. Let's say the widow at Zarephath. God says, what do you have? This much flour? This much oil? Put your last bit in. Then my power will start working in your life. And almost anybody whom God has asked, you look at them. God will ask them to give their last before they will see the hand of God. That's the only way you can give by faith. If I have 100 rupees and I said, Lord, by faith I give you 50 rupees, that's it. I still know I kept 50 back. Moses, 40 years. What do you have? All he had was this. That's all he had. A stick. Nothing else. This was it. The rest belonged to his wife. Because he was living in his father-in-law's house. All this is mine. He says, you lay that at my feet. This is all you have. Are you willing to lay it at my feet? In that crowd, a little boy, all he had, all that entire crowd was five loaves of bread and two fish. Will you give it to me? So please remember, this walk of faith is incredible. But when that walk begins, like Hannah, you will say, Lord, I don't have a child. And I'm believing for a child. But even before you touch my womb, I say, you give, I give it him. Completely back to you. Holy to you, Lord. God says, that's faith, lady. Your prayer is answered. These signs shall follow those who believe. 
That's what he's talking about. Strengthening in faith. Please remember. Begin somewhere slow, slowly. But remember, at every point, your faith needs to be strengthened. This is what God was actually doing with Abraham in Romans 4, 20, which we learned. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. What he had promised, that's what he was absolutely convinced. Absolute. That is what this, the whole issue of preaching every Sunday, every Wednesday is to convince you. That God is able to do everything that he has promised. That's what Elijah is saying. No! You do one thing. You make it for me and give it to me. And I promise you, your bin will never run out of flour. And your oil vat will always have oil. She hasn't done a thing. And all she can do is believe that promise. Believe that promise. Believing that promise, she took it and gave it. Did not stagger. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So therefore, in the gospel, what is revealed? A righteousness of God is revealed. For it is written, my just shall live by that's why it is so important that we hear. Every time we hear and whatever he's calling us, we put our last bit into it. He says, you are righteous because you believed me. Believe me. That is the difference between the saved and those who are saved and walk away with the promises of God. We have a, there are how many Malayalis are here? Oh, Rene is there. Yeah. Only few Malayal. We have a saying in Malayalam. Okay, a very funny saying. Okay, there is this girl. All the boys are chasing, but nobody seems to be getting her. And there is this fellow who is standing, leaning against the wall, and watching all this guy and watching this girl's behavior. He understands this girl, unlike the fellows who are chasing her. Suddenly, he walks off the wall, takes the girl, and walks away. In Malayalam, we say "madalam chari dinavan penneng there are these people who will come regularly to church and then one dude comes one Sunday, listens, takes the promise of God, walks away and does mighty things for God because he chose to believe. That's what you see in Jesus' life. Crowds and crowds and Pharisees and scribes and scholars and all. One woman will come, touch, walk away with her healing because she believed. Two blind men will follow him. I don't know how they followed him, the voice, into the room. And he says, do you believe I can do this? They said, yes. He said, go. Let it be according to your faith. And they walked seeing. And you know what? God said, you know what? You're righteous. Because you believed me. You believed me. You believed me. That's why Jesus' questions are all very interesting. Do you believe that I can do this? That question, first time I read it, that question has rung in my ears so many times in life. Like I could hear him actually saying, do you believe I can do this? And I had to say, yes, Lord, I believe you can do this. That's why the promise is important. What is promised looks impossible to the human mind. It looks impossible. He staggered not in unbelief. 
Imagine, honestly, let's put all adults sitting over with a few children. Think about it. Abraham is 100 years old. 99 years old. Wife is 90. Not only is she barren, forget about barrenness. Let's use the actual medical term. She crossed menopause years and years and years and years ago. Impossible. Scientifically, medically, you want to name it, it is impossible. But staggered not in unbelief and was strengthened in his faith. Because you said, through Sarah, your seed will be blessed, I believe. I have nothing, Lord, to believe when I look around into the world, into myself, into my wife. Nothing to believe except your word. And I will hang on to your word for dear life. Because your word is true. And it will not fail me. Heaven and earth will pass away. Not a dot from your word. Because, O oh Lord, you have exalted your word above all your name. Can we believe? Okay. Today to that faith, we need to add something else too. It is easier to believe in God for something that is very personal, which doesn't touch others very much. But what if it is more than that? If it touches everybody, that the call of God upon your life would, like, I, I, I like that prayer request, but that is one of my prayer requests to God 20 years ago. Ask of me and I shall give you the nation. He said, I'm asking, give me. Give me. You know? What if it affects? Then you need something along with faith. You have a situation where you see what you call the apostles are beaten for preaching and they are released. They come back. And in Acts chapter 4, we see what they do. They come back, the church gathers, and they are crying out to God in prayer. Now this is part of their prayer. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They have faith. But they want something more. They want boldness. Sometimes when God has promised you something and there is incredible opposition, not unbelief, that's different, opposition to what God has called you to do, you need to go back to God and say, Lord, I believe and I'm not going to back off, but I need boldness, Lord. Give me boldness. Give me boldness. Bold, Lord. That they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need boldness in these last days. Because we are not just facing skeptics. We are facing a hostile world. A world which is incredibly hostile to the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. So they cried out. The church cried out. And what did God do? He filled them with the Holy Spirit and with boldness. Look at Psalm 138 and verse 2. You know verse 2? You should know verse 2. That's where he said, I have magnified my word above all my name. Verse 3. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold 
with strength in my soul. Okay. This is saints in the Old and New Testament have faced because the actual testimony of Jesus Christ which we are called to bear will face great opposition. Great opposition. Fill me with boldness. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Scripture talks about a righteousness that comes by faith. But God says another thing the righteous need to have is what? Boldness. This is an important facet of faith. Because without boldness, you will not be able to stand alone. Stand opposing the tide that will come against us. The children of Israel, when they left, when they were in Egypt, were a fearful, cowardly people. And you can't blame them. They were slaves. Their fathers were slaves. The forefathers were slaves. Beaten, oppressed, slaves. You know, the mindset becomes like that. That's why God didn't ask them to do anything. Nothing. Because you cannot ask people who are slaves to do anything. Because they are slaves in their minds. So the only, everything God did, the ten miracles, he did. He didn't ask them to do anything. Then finally he asked them only one thing. To get out of Egypt before you can get out of Egypt, you need to do one thing. Kill a Passover lamb, apply the blood, stay under, and then the Pharaoh will let you go, leave. When that happened, for the first time, they heard the cry in every Egyptian household. The firstborn was dying. And every house of Israel was safe. Then they hear, Moses has been called by the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh has told, go, take your people and go and bless. Suddenly the word spreads in the Israelite camp. We are free. We are free. Thank God Almighty, we are free. How did they leave? How did they leave? Numbers 33 and verse 3. They departed from Ramesses in the first month. On the 15th day of the first month, on the day after Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness for the first time with their head held straight, the back straight, a set of slaves who had been set free by the blood of the lamb walked in the sight without covering, without fearful, they walked out in boldness because God had set them free. They were no longer slaves. For once in their life, they marched out in boldness. So remember for us, Egypt represents the world. And Egyptians represent the powers of this world that have held us captive and still holding us captive in so many areas in our mind. But God says, walk out boldly. Walk out boldly in the sight of your former employer, the devil. Walk out boldly. Don't be afraid. Just walk out boldly. Walk boldly on this earth. We sing that song. We'll walk this land. How? Lord. Lord Modi is after me, Lord. Please, walk boldly. What are you afraid of? You are free. That's not how free people walk. Free people walk straight. In the sight of all the Egyptians, they walked free. That's what God is talking about. Because in this battle, 
boldness is essential. We are not talking about the boldness of the world. It's the boldness of the world. That has got to do with other things you have in life. It's a boldness of sight. If my wallet is full, you will be very bold as a lion today. I can take anybody out for lunch because I'm very bold. No, we're not talking about that. You know, people make rash decisions, incredible decisions and say, wow, I made the decision because you had money. Anybody in your place would make the same decision to probably make better decision because you would have probably more brains than you. So that is not the the boldness of the world. Okay. Sometimes boldness of the world comes because you have incredible wisdom, knowledge, certificates that can prove your value in the market. Because the world is a marketplace. So you are bold. I can quit this job. Why? I believe. What do you believe in yourself? I know I will get another one because my resume is like a newspaper. So that is not the boldness the Bible is talking about. Or maybe because you know who is who. No, people with three initials, KCR, KTR, three initials, ah, NTR. All these three initials are no, 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 I know. No problem. That is the boldness of the world. This is the boldness of slaves who are set free. They only know God. They only have God. It's not a boldness that comes from money. It's not comes from wisdom, knowledge, certificates. It's not a boldness that comes from knowing who is who in the world. It's a boldness because God said, you are free. That's why it's important. That's why in the Bible you will always see actually the men of faith were not strong men. They were weak men. You ask, let me ask this question I asked earlier also. Cain and Abel, who do you think was strong? Cain. Ishmael and Isaac, who do you think was strong? Jacob and Esau, who do you think was strong? Did you see? All the unbelieving people in the sight were strong and the believers were very weak. You go through Bible anywhere. The believers were weak. But God turned these timid men through the Bible. Gideon onwards, you can go through it all. Even Peter who say I don't know Jesus even to a servant maid. He made them all bold in faith. If you look at it, all of them in their particular stages in their life, they had a promise or they had promises. And if you have a promise. That's why you need to hear from God. The righteous shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Not just the written principles of the word of God. But along with it, you need to hear from God. You serve a living God who still speaks. He can speak to you personally when you're reading, you're studying your Bible. He can speak to you through a servant. He can th- speak through a word of prophecy, word of knowledge, different ways, visions, dreams. But you need to hear from God. And that promise will change your life. Once you have received a promise, it doesn't matter who you were. Who you? Because the promise defines your life now. It doesn't matter who you were or what people say you are or where. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters 
is the promise of God. Because scripture says his exceedingly great promises, we partake of what? His divine nature. Into you, what a slow? The power of his own very spirit to bring that promise into fruitfulness. Think about a man called Caleb in the Bible. If you look at Caleb, for 40 years, he was a slave in Egypt. 40 years, he was a slave in Egypt. One of the persecuted nations in Egypt. Egypt had many nations because they were the world power. So they had slaves from many nations. And he was one among the Hebrew slaves. Then God brought them out. When God brought them out, what happened? In his own community, he became a minority. That's what happens to people of faith. They become a minority in their own community. Look at Numbers 14.10. It says, when the children of Israel want to go back to Egypt, all the congregation said to them, stone them with stones. Who? Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb. Four people. Kill them. Kill them. In their own community. Their whole community with whom you came out have turned against you. And you are part of that. Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb. And if you look at it spiritually, because the enemy knows, of these four Moses and Aaron are part of one generation. Joshua and Caleb, the leaders of the next generation. In one shot, all the leadership would be gone of two generations if their plans succeed. That's why the devil never goes after followers. He always goes after the leaders. That's why God says be very careful when you speak against leaders because you could, could become a stone in the enemy's hand. Because it's difficult for the devil to go after all the followers. All he has to do is go after the leader. And about Jesus himself prophesied, he said, I will hit the smite, the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. So one shot, two generation leaders would have gone. But he wanted to fight and persist. They wanted to go back to Egypt. You getting it? God intervened. It didn't happen. They couldn't kill or anything. God intervened. Now he is wanting to go now and persist. They want to go back to Egypt. But because he held on to a promise, he had to suffer with his generation for 40 years. Because of their unbelief. Till he was an old man. Think about it. Think, honestly, think, logically think about it. You were 40. You believed in the promise of God. You were ready to fight. The rest of the church was not. God says, you know what? This church is not going to enter into the next phase of my plan for humanity. Until all of you die, I will take the next. Just honestly think about it. This generation, no. Abigail, this next generation I will take. I am waiting for all of you to die. The next generation I will take you in. So because of their unbelief, he was destined 
to wander for 40 years for no fault of his own. And he believed. And he was willing to fight. So suddenly 40 years later, you are leading a young generation in with Joshua. You fight five years battles. Most of the place is already conquered. Now you are 85 years old. Today, Vijay's father has gone to Kakinada. No, 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 to Vizag. And brother David also didn't come. So I'm the only one with gray hairs here. Among men. Think about it. The only one. You are the old, you are the oldest of this entire lot. Or the oldest of the entire lot. But look to what he says in Joshua 14 and verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. You know what he's saying? He says, my brothers who were there with me, what did they do? They made the heart of the people melt. People don't realize that's where you melt first. They were all peers. But the hearts of the people melted because of the words of those who went with him. Like I said, he's the oldest now. All those people are gone. Age is not a factor. Do you know that? I know you're all a relatively young crowd over here. But age is not a factor when it comes to faith. Caleb could have even fallen back. I am 85. These are all young people. What am I going to do? You even have scripture to fall back on. Psalm 19. What did his mentor, in our modern language, his mentor... Moses said, we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off we fly away. How many years? Eight years. How old are you, um, uh, Caleb? Eighty-five. He could have even made an excuse. Yeah, Moses said eighty years and it is all sorrow. Time has flown away. What is the point now? Let me look for a little cottage by the river. So even to fetch water, I don't have to walk so far. Retired life. How people give up so fast. But there is another psalm. Honestly, this psalm I might have read, but I never saw this verse the way it was written until I read it recently. This is Psalm 71. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. To this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, Oh God, do not forget me until I declare your strength to this generation. This is an old man's prayer. 
Lord, until I have declared your power to this this generation, your power to everyone who is to come, Lord. That's what I want to be, Lord. I don't want to retire. I don't want to waste the rest of my life saying I'm too old. He says, no. He says, no. God had promised through Moses, you will see that in Joshua 14 and verse 9. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. He is saying, Sir, our boss, promise me that day. You need to understand how you see with the eyes of faith. When you are standing with the eyes of faith, your age is not the factor. The factor is the promise of God. And God gives your promise and you're fighting to possess your promise. You are not just fighting for your future. You're fighting for the future of your children and your children's children. That is the promises of God. And that's what God had promised. And in Deuteronomy you will see, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, where God will say, And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give it to your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his children I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed. That is the promise he is saying. I see saying the Lord said then. When? 38 plus 5. How many years? 43 years ago. I remember the promise is still ringing in my ears. Two, year, two years to Kadesh Barnia. Spies are sent out. Came back exactly as God said. But we cannot. So the next 38 years they wandered. So 38 plus 5. 43 years earlier. The promise is still as alive in my heart. As it was spoken that day. He said. To me and to my children. That's now I'm speaking to parents. The reason parents have to stand firm in faith with the boldness of faith because you're possessing an inheritance not just for yourself, but for your children and your children's children. That's what Caleb is standing there for. You're making a stand. Caleb knew the reason behind his long life. Joshua 14, verse 10. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Do you look at that way? Lord has kept me alive. Do you know why I'm 85 years old? When all my peers have died in the desert? Because he gave me a promise to fulfill that promise. He has kept me alive. That's where your boldness comes. That's where your faith comes. That's how you go out and you come in knowing that he has promised something in my life. The God of Israel watches over my going out and coming in. I am not going to die in an accident because his promise has not been fulfilled in my life. I'm not going to die of a disease. I'm not going to die of anything because I have a promise to hold on. For this reason, he has kept me alive. This is how the word of God becomes alive for you. This is a God who speaks. This is a God who is real. Not just a book. 
where you read and appropriate good principles for living, fantastic, but you're still an Old Testament Christian. Because they also had the law. It's more than that. You actually hear. And you know God has spoken. He gave me a promise. And I believe, says Caleb, he has kept me alive all these 45 years of wandering because the promise is still alive in me. 40 years in Egypt as a slave. 40 years wandering in the desert because of the sin of others. And 5 years in the promised land fighting for the destiny of others. Look at this man. Look at this man. 40 years a slave. Then came out. 40 years wandered because of the sin of others. Then five years first he said, you know what? I am my brother's keeper. I'm not going to go to Joshua and say, Joshua, God promised me. These are all young people. I am the oldest. So let me go take my plot first. He said, no, let me fight for them and see they all have their plots. And now at the end, I will say, I want my plot. That's a man of faith. That's a man of faith. Incredible man of faith. And he says, I'm 85 now. I'm 85 now, but I believe. I believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? What did you believe? Verse 11, 14, 11. I believe. Yet, I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. For both going out and that's right. Because there is a promise, I'll go out to war. I will not die in the battlefield. I will come back with my victory. For going out and coming in. I'm as strong today. As I was the day Moses sent me. Question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Isaiah 48, verse 28 to 31. Yes. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Again, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unreachable, unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord. Joshua, sorry, Caleb, what have you been doing these 45 years? Waiting on the Lord. So my hour has come. I'm as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Do you believe this is real? Oh, medical science has got so much into your head that you know, no, there is natural wear and this thing. Do you believe? Oh, God has stopped. Now medicine has come. God is making way for medicine. Do you believe? That's all God is asking. Do you believe? I learned and you see, I, I thank God uh, in so many ways. I got my faith from the Bible. I, I mean, I, I appreciate people who go to Bible college, nothing. No, but I didn't go to Bible college. So I learned a new word from Brother Cyril there. Where is Brother Cyril? He's there. No, Brother Cyril. When he used a word, he said a word a few weeks back to me. He said, Pastor, I'm not a cessationist. 
So I was wondering, what is a secessionist? You see, people throw theological terms from Bible colleges. I, when people used to say, you know, I am not this, I am not that, I am not, uh, I, I had no clue what these things were. Because these are terms you learn in Bible college. So when he said, I am not a secessionist, my mind is working, what does that mean? Then I realized it means I am not somebody who believes miracles have ceased. Because there's a whole school of Christians in this world who believe God doesn't work miracles anymore. They're called secessionists. I thank God I did not believe that. I did not know that word term also. I never have taken the word of God as it is, always. I don't have to experience something that is true because the God I believe is true. Just because I didn't experience it doesn't mean that cannot happen to somebody or cannot happen to me at some other point in life. So I believe this. I don't take this as spiritually, metaphorically. No, I take it literally. That if a day and an hour comes, what he did with Abraham, he can do with you. What he did with Caleb, he can do with you and me when the hour comes because of a promise. Because of a promise. And that's what is happening to Caleb. He is strong. And he says, I am strong. I am willing to go. I am willing to go. He had great, he, he did not only have persistent faith. He had bold faith. Look at verse 12. Therefore now give me this mountain. Of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. He says, Joshua, don't look at my hair. Don't look at my age and say, Caleb, why don't you take that small valley over there, fight the small people over there. Why don't you go fight them? He says, no, I want that mountain. The toughest point which nobody has overcome yet. The toughest point. Who are there? The Anakim means Giants, Goliaths. So, and what? Their cities were great and fortified. So if the city of an ordinary height man and his walls are strong and fortified, what are the walls of giants? Our door is like a window for him. Not even a window, a small latch for him. He says, I will take Why? Because that is what God promised me. 40 years, 45 years ago when I was young and on fire for God, God promised me the toughest part. That is what I asked. Now 45 years later, because time has passed me by, I will not change my promise. I'm holding on to God for the same promise and say, God, if you promise me then, you can give it to me now because you are the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm not looking at me, I'm looking at you. Because it's your power that will make this possible. Not me. It's your power. That's why in the book of Ephesians, scripture will say, above all brethren, clothe yourself with what? The mighty power of God. Not your power. Believe. Believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? It's interesting. It's interesting, right? Who are you, Caleb? Yeah. We were the only two ones who came with a good report. Yeah, 
God commended me then through Moses, set me apart and said his holy. And who are you asking? Joshua. I and your peers? Yes. But it doesn't matter. Maybe my faith is stronger than his faith. It's never written. Unlike Joshua, I cried unto the Lord. It's irrelevant. He may be, I may be smarter than him. I may be stronger than him. But in God's appointed order, he made him head and me below. So he has to give me permission before I will move. Do you understand how the kingdom of God matters? I'm telling you young people because you're very smart. God will put you in positions where the one above may be not as smart as you, as strong as you. But because God's order is, he tells my Lord Joshua, you give me permission. One day we went out together. But another day God said, Moses, lay your hands upon Joshua and pass your spirit onto him. Therefore he is the head and not me. You, Lord, allow me to go. Verse 14, uh, verse, next verse, 13. And Joshua blessed him. That's how people should go. That's how we should go. Joshua blessed him. Moses blessed Joshua. Joshua blessed Caleb and said, go. And what did he give? He? 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 Have you taken it? Are the giants there? Are there cities there? Are there walls there? Yes. But I give it to you. It's yours. That's the promise. He gave it to you. He gave it. Where does his confidence come from? From God. God who makes promises. I give it to you. That's what, See, because God says, I give it to you. That does not mean you don't have to fight. <laughs> but you are assured of victory if you fight. I made you the head and not the tail. That does not mean you would go study. Without studying, you write the exam, you will get a rank. No. No. A lot of Christians make a fool of themselves because they don't work hard based on the promise. There is a promise. and There is a fight. The victory is guaranteed if you do your part. I give it to you. Remember what he told to Joshua? In Joshua chapter 1 verses 3 to 5. Every place the sole of your foot will trade upon, I have given you. They are still at the border. They haven't even crossed river Jordan. So do you haven't even crossed, okay? But I tell you, I have given it to you. When God says given, what should you say? Taken. Taken. I believe in your word. Why? Because that's one person I can trust. If God says give, victory is assured if I fight. All I have to do is hear and fight. Victory is assured. I never have to ask, will I win or not? You will win. Because he said, I have given. From the wilderness, all this place shall be your territory. And verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. That's where your confidence comes from. That's where you need to hear from God. The promise of God. The presence of God. And the commands of God. So Joshua blessed Caleb. And Caleb said, I will, we sing that song, no? I will climb this mountain. And I will fight the giants. And I will possess my inheritance. Question is, 
where does your bold, prompt boldness come from? Because 14, 8 and 9, God promised through Moses. God swore on that day. He promised. When God promises you something, what are you, what is that God is looking from you? You will see this. We'll come to that later. I wholly followed the Lord from that day. Wholly followed. I understood the reason for my life, extending my life. Verse 10. I understand. Right? All this he has kept me. And verse 11. I understand the reason, the purpose behind my strength. And verse 12, give me my mountain. And verse 13, he blessed him and gave him what? Hebron. What did he give him? Hebron. We saw giants, we saw cities, and we saw walls. And you should ask, why are these cities fortified? Why are the giants of all the people in Canaan, among the Canaanites, Amalekites, all these different ites and parasites and all these, why have the Anakites come and taken Hebron? Why have they built the strongest cities and walls over there? Because go back into your spiritual history and you will know. When Abraham for the first time after years in the promised land heard the purpose of God, Remember in John 13 or something, Judas leaves the disciples. And after that, Jesus starts teaching them deeper things. After Lot lifted his eyes, looked towards Sodom, chose Sodom, and left, God spoke to Abraham. And he says, lift up your eyes, look to the east, west, north, south. Do you see? He says, all that is for you and your dissonance. And then he gives him purpose. This is what you are to do, Abraham, for the next so many donkey's years. This is what you do. What do you have? Walk the land. Walk the land. You shall walk the land. And possess the land. And scripture says that once he heard it, he got up and moved his tents near the trees of Mamre and pitched his tent at Hebron. It is Hebron was the headquarters of Abraham. The man of the promise. It was at Hebron. God appeared to him in a vision and said, let's make a covenant. Do you see the stars of the sky? As the stars shall be your dissonance. It was at Hebron. He cut that animals and God walked through that blood and he made a covenant with Abraham signifying the new covenant. It was at Hebron. Jesus and the two angels visited him and they had a meal together. It was at Hebron. Sarah was buried, Abraham was buried, Isaac was buried, Leah was buried, and Rebecca was buried. And this man said, I want Hebron. That's my heritage. The heritage of my spiritual forefathers. I want Hebron. And you need to realize, the devil knows about Hebron. So once children of Israel are in Egypt, he moves his strongest forces, the Anakites, to Hebron and they build fortified cities because Hebron has spiritual significance. And this old man rises up, looks at all the young Chudukus and says, I want Hebron. You guys don't understand the value of Hebron. I know. I want Hebron. And Joshua, that is Jesus, blesses Caleb a new covenant believer and says, go possess 
the inheritance of your forefathers. That's how you see. That's how this becomes real. That's how you see. Do you see? So how do you handle the negatives, the opposition in life? Do you allow God to turn it around? Because faith is directed at the person of Christ and his power. In Ephesians 3, 12 and 13, this is what scripture says. In whom we have boldness. In him we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. Now what's happening? Paul's disciples are getting discouraged because all they hear is Paul is gone to preach. Next report, he's in jail. And he says, don't get discouraged. Don't get, don't get discouraged because of my chains. He says, we have boldness in Christ Jesus and we have access with confidence through him. In the new covenant, please see it differently. You don't see it that way in the old covenant. It's physical possession. In the old new covenant, it is spiritual possession. Their chains were broken. Here you may end up in jail. But both are possessing. They are land here souls. Philippians chapter 1 verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my... He said, did you see? I was thrown into the chains and I stood before kings and rulers and centurions and soldiers and preached the gospel boldly. So those who did not have chains, they became confident. Everybody started witnessing Christ. You see what is happening? We need to have that boldness. That's where we have to be very, very careful that our boldness is only from Christ. And it is not from money. It is not from education. It is not from influence. These are all good laid at his feet. Because the boldness of faith is faith in Christ alone. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Already on the day of Pentecost, post-Pentecost, they have declared, what do we don't have? We don't have gold and silver. So apostles have no money. Second, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. So they neither had education nor training and absolutely no influence. Peter did not have influence even to enter into the high priest courtyard. He had to use John's influence to get it. Forget Herod, Pilate and all. That is too high up. In your own community leader you can't meet him. So they had no money. They had no training. They had no education. They had no influence. But they had what? Boldness. Why did they have boldness? Because they had the with Jesus. That should be the only source of your boldness. They had been with Jesus. Let's turn to Numbers 14, 6. 14. And remember, this is happening 45 years earlier. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied the land, tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. 
And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our You know what Joshua and Caleb are saying? Or Caleb is saying, I want giants for, not Kellogg's, for breakfast. Please. I don't want Kellogg's. I don't want conflicts. I want giants for breakfast. Think about it. And then another 40 43 years. I did a calculation yesterday with my calculator. I love phones because phones, I don't love phones, but I like the gadgets in the phones. One of the things I like is the calculator. One thing I realized was that 600,000 men came out, so their wives. Plus all those who were in the after three years, all those who were 20 plus. So all together, let us say, 1.5 million adults died in the desert during their wandering. That is 13,870 days. So on an average, what Caleb saw every day, on an average, 108 people being buried on an average. And some days it could go as much as 23,000 burials. Imagine if this is what you saw every day of your life for the next 38 years. Would you be depressed? Would you be discouraged? Not this man. He says, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. All that death and all that burial did not ever Make him take his eyes off his promise. That's why God says, I have not given you these spirits. Learn, learn, learn. Do you believe? Faith kept his eyes on Jesus and what he had promised. Romans 8, 10 and verse 8 is a simple, basic formula. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Word is in your heart, word is in your mouth. Word is in your heart, word is in your mouth. Right? What is in your heart will come out of your mouth. Joshua 14 and verse 7. It was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought word back to him as it was in my, in my heart. Not as it was in my eyes, in my mind. God said, I give you the land. I went and I saw the land was exactly as I saw the giants. I saw the fortified cities. But I brought a report according to the word that was in my heart. Let's take it. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You are saved. Most of us see with our eyes. See with our heads. We are very heady Christians. To the point we are drunk in our head with theology. It's not coming down to our heart. 
famous lines in Psalm 119? Thy word, your word, thy word I have hidden in my heart. If you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. You are saved. Any situation, you have to believe. What has God spoken to you? On that day, there were two witnesses. One were the witnesses of head and two were the witnesses of the heart. Sometimes you need to realize the promises of God will come to pass only after the head witnesses are all gone. And only the heart witnesses are left. Of those twelve spies, ten are gone, two are left. The promise is fulfilling. Meaning, until we start debate, stop debating with the scripture with our head alone and start applying our heart to it, the promises will remain just on paper. It has to come, percolate into our heart. One word again and again and again with Caleb, you will read in scripture. Twice by God and twice by Caleb and once recorded in history. Numbers 32, 12. Except Caleb who followed wholly the Lord. God is saying, he followed me wholly. Holy meaning with all his heart. Followed me wholly. Deuteronomy 1, 36. This is God saying, okay? This is God saying. Caleb the son who walked because he wholly followed the Lord. God is speaking through Moses. Joshua 14.8, his testimony. I wholly followed the Lord, my God. God's testimony, his testimony. Next one. I, because you have wholly followed the Lord. It's his testimony. And then finally, 14.14 Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Zephaniah the Kenizzite to this day because he wholly followed. This is how records should be written about believers. Are you getting the picture? So we saw over and over in Deuteronomy 1.36 and all. It's a promise of God. Don't worry about how much, like in English we say, how much water has flown under the bridge, meaning how much time has passed away. The promise still stands, because the promise, promise maker still stands. It's not going to pass away. Our job is to steadfastly hold on to the promise. Then we have to do our duty. That is to fight for our promise. Remind God about your promise. And when it is, ask for something big. Okay. Ask for something big. Don't ask from God little, little things. Ask for something big. And then, receive your blessing. And receive it. Receive your blessing. Because you need that blessing to fulfill your promise. You know what? Joshua 15 verse 14 says, Armed with those blessings, Caleb Draw out the three sons of Anak from there. Shishai, Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. 85 year old man, 
is now fighting the giants and he drove the giants out. Are you getting the picture? You are seeing spiritual, physical history of Israel. All this has got to do with spiritual history hours because scripture says entire Israel's history is recorded for our purpose upon whom the end of ages has come. What did Caleb do? He took that mountain country. He drove the giants out. He possessed his possession. And then what is written in Joshua 14, 14? Yeah, next verse. Fifteen. Yeah. Hebron therefore, yeah, and the name of Hebron formerly Kirjad Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Once he had taken Hebron, what happened? The land had rest from war. The entire nation is waiting for rest. And the rest is in the hands of one man who will fight the giants. Until you have driven the giants out of your possession, you will not experience rest. What are the giants you are battling? What are the giants you are battling? He came to give us rest. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon me, for I am meek and lowly. Learn of me. I will give you rest. And Hebrews 4 will say, labor to enter into that rest. Now we are moving into actually spiritual territory. We are fighting giants here. Giant of fear. Giant of uncertainty. The giant of poverty. So many giants and it causes fear. That was the purpose of the giants. You look at them. Look at their cities. Look at their voice. Israel trembled. Giants cause fear. They intimidate you. And because of that, we are not able to step out in faith because the giants intimidate you. The only ones who stepped out in faith were giant killers. Whether it was Caleb or David. He drove them out. Of that place. Of Hebron. All the giants and their families. Until they reached where? The sea of the Philistines. So in, when you actually read Samuel. And come to David's time. The giants are where? Where he had driven them hundreds of years earlier. They are there. Now these fellows. David has to fight. It's a difference. David fights. He till kills Goliath. And years later when he is old, he goes to fight the brothers of Goliath. And he almost gets killed in the battle. So his soldiers cover him and says, Lord, you will not fight again because the light of Israel should not be put away. Because he's grown old. David is grown old. He's not able to fight giant. Second generation Caleb is old. He says, I will fight giants. Because he has wholly followed the Lord, unlike David. Never got distracted. Never got distracted. Understand how it works it out in the kingdom of God. This is personal. Anyone can receive that promise and say, Lord, I want to be everything that you want me to be. I don't want any promise of yours to fall in my life. You are able, more than able. 
I believe. I don't want to be better than him or better than that. I just want to be all that you want me to be. Just make me a vessel, Lord. Because that was his inheritance. He was fighting for his inheritance. Even before they entered the promised land, God had given them to an inheritance. And in that land, this man chose, I want Hebron as my inheritance. Now, do you understand what we are coming to as we close? Colossians 1.12 Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You are saved, but you have to fight for your inheritance, which is eternal. That's not free. Otherwise, you will live and die in the wilderness and reach up there without your inheritance. Fight for your inheritance. You are saved, but your inheritance is there, not here. When they left Egypt and went through the Red Sea, waters of baptism, they were all free from the powers of Egypt. But the inheritance was kept there and they had to fight for the inheritance and they said, we cannot. It's the same mistake believers make. You have an inheritance. You know what he was fighting for. He was fighting for his inheritance. Second one, Colossians 3.24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The reward of your inheritance. Ephesians 1.14. Who is the guarantee of your... Why do you think he gave you the Holy Spirit? Why do you think he gave you power so that you can fight? God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power to fight. That's the purpose. Wait in Jerusalem until you have received power. And when you receive power, you shall be my witnesses. You, the battle begins. That's the reason for power. So that... You may receive your inheritance. That's the guarantee. That's how you know. Ephesians 1.18 Father, his prayer, the eyes of understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You know, the new covenant also talks about inheritance, but that inheritance is not here, it is there. So now we are called to a fight of faith. We are fighting for our inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Most beautiful. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? To an inheritance incorruptible undefiled and that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. There's an inheritance reserved in heaven. Have the spirit of Caleb. Holy follow the Lord. Fight that good fight. Now you understand what Paul was running after? Look at the last three scriptures. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. What did Caleb do? Forgot 43 years of depressive walk. And 40 years of slavery before that. And he looked forward to his mountain. I forget those things that are behind. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are you getting it? Don't keep your sights low. Look up. The inheritance is about. The crown is above and actually the price is Christ himself. 
That's why in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, at the end of his life he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. If you look at him, you won't believe. Because he's lying in prison in chains, waiting execution. But you look into his spirit, you will know, wow, this is another Caleb of the new covenant. He's got it. He got his mount. What did he want? He wanted Christ. And he got Christ. He says, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. Now you ask yourself, who is Jesus? Melchizedek, we had a little baby today, right? King of righteousness. So who's got the crown actually? Jesus. He's the king of righteousness. But he says, I have the crown of righteousness. Meaning, he's actually saying, you know what? I'm part of the bride. I got it. I got it. I got the crown of righteousness. This is what I was running for. I fought the good fight. I finished my race. I got my inheritance. I got it. I got it. I got my Hebron. I will have eternal fellowship with Jesus in ways you can only dream of. I got it. This is what I was running for. I got my mountain. So as I close, Revelation 22, verse 1 to 5. And it was cute yesterday when Sister Joba called from there and prayed and uh, was talking to Joba's mother. And she's old, she's not doing so great physically. But she was talking to me in Malayalam and all she was saying is that in this old age, all I'm doing is praying and preparing myself, Lord, I should end up as a holy, sanctified vessel, never leaving one purpose or work of yours undone so that I can be part of your bride. That's all my prayer is, O Lord. See, people, when they study scripture, they realize what this race is about. What this race is about. So when the Bible closes the final chapter, he showed me a pure river of water of life. Remember in 21 you saw uh, the new heavens, new earth and the new city. Now we are, it's like uh, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Genesis 1 is creation. Genesis 2 is creation of man. In the same way Genesis, Revelation 21 is all of the new creation. Genesis 22 is coming to New Jerusalem. I showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Where is the river proceeding from? The throne of God. Remember Ezekiel's vision? I saw the river flowing from the threshold and it was flowing and the river started. First it was ankle deep, then it was knee deep and then it was do you realize that you can measure it? Out of your belly shall flow of rivers of living water. As you grow older, is the anointing increasing or decreasing? Is it increasing or decreasing? Is the river increasing or decreasing? You can know it. Because he said, you are my temple and out of this threshold shall flow my spirit. Is it increasing or is it decreasing? There it was flowing. Yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And then, there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servant shall serve him. So you have new earth. You have new heaven. You have the new city. And even in the new city, you read the Bible carefully. Jerusalem. There is this highest point in Jerusalem called Zion. Give me my mountain. 
This is my desire. Because there they shall see his face. They shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. And verse 5. There shall be no night there. No need for lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord gives them light. And they shall reign not for a thousand years. Not a millennial reign. These are the bride of Jesus Christ forever and ever. That's what Caleb was running for in the old covenant. Give me my mountain. So the new covenant we have to turn around and ask ourselves, what are we running for? I want the worship team to come. Come worship me. What are we running for? Keep your sights always on that. Now honestly, if your sight is there, you can go through incredible opposition like Caleb went through. First, oppressed race in Egypt, slave. Then, oppressed minority in your own community. Four out of millions. And then, I don't know what he felt. I don't know. I mean, naturally, human feelings you feel, right? The day he heard God say, Anoint Joshua. So he knows, Joshua is the leader, not me. Right? He must have felt. Okay, I thought God would say, you know, like so many new covenant churches, the community of leadership, anoint Joshua and Caleb. God didn't say that. He said, anoint Joshua. You know, honestly, right? Now we have now all these ranks, no? Two people first rank, three people second rank, nothing like God says, anoint Joshua and Caleb. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm going to fight as strongly as I ever did under Joshua. Then five years later, when all the land has been taken, one is left, he comes and says, Joshua, give me my land. Please. And Joshua blesses him. He goes, possesses his land, and it becomes his inheritance. Hebron. Who possessed Hebron? Caleb possessed Hebron. And you know, God's man would come years later. He would be anointed king in Hebron. And he would rule from Hebron for seven and a half years. King David. But who possessed Hebron for David? Caleb. So the king could rule. That's what he had asked. Is what he's asking. Tread the souls. Tread it. Tread the land. Get one soul. Get another soul. Get the souls. They are part of my kingdom. So that once the prince of glory comes, scripture says, those who have brought souls into the kingdom of God will shine like stars in heaven because they made the throne of Jesus Christ possible because they possessed those souls and gave it to Jesus and said, rule over them, Lord. That's how you see. That's how you see. That's how you see. When you witness, when you evangelize, don't ever think you will miss your rewards. Your rewards are greater than you can ever think of. The Bible makes about it because every soul becomes the throne room of God. Jesus starts ruling in those lives. But who made that possible? You and me by our witness. That's what Caleb did. He took Hebron and years later, David would be crowned king in Hebron. Shall we sing? Sing on the upper way, you 
years ago, Lord, when the Holy Spirit comes, your men and children, men and women, boys and girls, shall see dreams and visions. Oh, Father, they shall prophesy. I pray, Father, speak. Let everyone catch a vision of their life, oh Lord. For where there is no vision, the people fall away. Caleb caught a vision here early. And he held on to that vision all those 45 years of his life, Lord. In the midst of death and graveyards, he held on to his vision. He saw everyone of his age die and be buried. But he held firm. He fought with that young generation until they possessed their inheritance. Yet he did not forget his promise. 85 years old. The oldest in that group. He came to the Lord. Joshua and asked. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I'm as strong today. As the day. Moses sent me out. Today I pray for the young. Who will fight for the inheritance. And I pray for the older ones today here and who will hear for a renewal in their inner man, in their physical body. Renew us, Lord, according to your word and to your promise. For your word says the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Touch everyone who is infirm, Lord. Everyone who is infirm, Father. You are the same God. Never change. Let there be a healing anointing flowing, Father, through the body of Christ. Now and whenever your people hear, wherever the anointing is the same. It cannot be stopped by time. It cannot be stopped whether there is substance or no substance. The handkerchief of Paul can heal far away. Well, the shadow of Peter can heal near. Because it is the same God. It is the same anointing. And I pray, Father, the balm of Gilead will flow, Father. Breaking the yoke of disease, infirmity, sickness, weakness in the body, in the soul, oh Father. Break it, Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That there would be a people who are renewed in their inner man and in their outer man. Surrendering absolutely, totally to serve you, God. And they should be able to say one day, I have wholly followed the Lord. From that day till day. Therefore, Father, give me my inheritance. 
that you said you have reserved for me in heaven where neither rust nor thieves nothing can touch it has been kept for us lord i pray none none of us oh lord will miss our inheritance oh lord for eyes have not seen nor ears heard what god is preparing for those who love him lord that's your word that's your promise touch lord touch even the younger ones lord speak to them they're old enough to hear like samuel lord many are old enough to hear your voice to see your dream and know you father speak father speak for you are a living god speak through whichever way you want through the word through a servant in prophecy word of knowledge signs wonders dreams visions we leave it to you lord whichever way you want father speak and i pray when they speak when you speak we hear and we hold on to that promise for we know lord heaven and earth will pass away but not a dot from your word help us to be a people of the living word of god not just a written word the living word of god bless your people anoint your people even the children young ones anoint them lord let faith arise in them lord let them not waver in unbelief let their faith be strengthened oh lord let them hear the holy spirit speak to them and through them lord and let these signs that you have written and spoken follow each one or not that this land will see a great revival oh god i believe father next 5 years oh father a year and a season of revival like india has never seen oh father oh father has india has never seen oh god and you need servants who believe and who follow you holy men women and children lord anoint us afresh this morning lord anoint us lord and as your church fast lord and prepare so lord speak to each one thank you thank you father thank you lord thank you lord for the sure strength is our portion now and forevermore lord thank you lord as your children go into another week i bless them in your name lord may all the blessings of the lord as they hear your voice and obey your commandments let them follow them and overtake them lord thank you thank you father thank you lord we praise you we worship you we glorify you believing the word has sanctified us the spirit and the blood has sanctified us by faith now we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name lord we bless your holy name we bless your holy name lord and we proclaim with our lips thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever oh lord thank you thank you father thank you lord we ask and we pray all this in the precious name of jesus amen May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.